Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's funny. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, my together. Nice personality combination. Hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, welcome back to Statue Jackson. I'm always Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 11. NASDAQ Futures down 40. Down? What the hell? Dow Futures up down 77. This is this is crazy, especially after we dipped lower on the close last night. What the bleep, Kevin? What the bleep, buddy? Just saying. Well, let me see. People must be um, dumping their dogs so that they can take tax deductions. Um, speaking of dogs... <laughs> This, this has got to be one of the all-time great segues, and I don't even know what you're going to say. Speaking of dogs, um, I think I mentioned that uh, after 20 and a half years, uh, uh, Audrey's little Danny the Poodle finally uh, met his maker. Great little guy. Um, well, that's too bad. He hung in there pretty much okay till about the last six months, and uh, God, she tried everything. Uh, I mean, she, actually, she helped him out huge with acupuncture. I will not be taken care of like that. There's, there's no way on earth. But uh, <laughs> so, so now we're on the. The great poodle hunt, right? So, she finds some uh, a rescue poodle in Indiana, and uh, you know the people who. How can I say this politically correctly? I can't. People who, who really rescue dogs and all this stuff, they're they're spectacular people, but they're all kind of a little different. It seems to me a little bit. No, is, that, is that that's not a political? Well, there, there's a uh, having uh, having worked in the uh, a pet related business or having owned actually a pet related business. It's it's a culture. There there's a you know a little subculture that goes with that, and uh, yeah, it's different. Um, it's okay. There's nothing, you know. It, it's just different. And uh, you know, I've I've known a lot of uh, people who show their dogs and you know uh, those kinds of things. Uh, that you know that's its own culture too, which yes, was is. by the way spoofed in one of the all time great movies, Best in Show. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, so she spats this poodle, right? And uh it looks like a good little guy. I mean, he's like two years old. Actually, he's much bigger than Danny. He's like 45 pounds, which is kind of the size she's looking for. And uh it's impossible to get a poodle puppy, standard poodle puppy. I mean, it's like a three-year waiter. It's unbelievable. So uh she's got to be vetted, right, for this huge process. Now, first of all, anybody in life, if there's such a thing as reincarnation, you want to come back as Audrey's dog. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that it's, it's the most cared of. But you, how many people get acupuncture and cor, uh, chiropractor work and you name it? Uh, anyway, just, well, how many poodles last 20 and a half years? That goes right there. So she goes through this whole vetting process. And I'm sitting there going, this. So the lady calls her up and says, uh, well, I got good news and bad news. Okay. <laughs> good news is you passed the vetting process. The bad news is somebody else took the dog. <laughs> Oh, in the meantime. Yeah, in the yeah, meantime. 
uh, it's not funny because I actually look like a pretty good little guy. I thought tomorrow I was going to be heading to the end to go pick up the dog, and here, I, you know, we're not. So, yeah, the good news is you passed. But by the way, there's no dog left. <laughs> there will be another. Well, I suppose there's a, and she, and of course, you know, Audrey says as long as he went to a good home, it's okay. I'll find another one. But uh, secretly, I think she was probably what Kathy Durbin used to say. She was probably seething. Seething was the term Kathy used to use. Remember the. Uh, Anyway, um, so are we, are yeah, we? I'm pretty sure I had Kathy seething more than once. Yeah, uh, with, with some on air, uh, on air discussion. Yeah, yeah, it was easy to get her seething. She she moved to uh, down to Tinley Park, so maybe we'll see her again this year. She's uh, kind of resurfaced after the. Uh, she was working from home forever up in Rogers Park with uh, at, at Northern at um, Northern Trust. This working from home, I think, is the. Uh, I don't know. We uh, that that. Video that uh, AV sent us, Angelica. I, mm-hmm. I thought that was, you know, it's it's not. Well, first of all, when somebody essentially agrees with you on a video uh, or, or an, an article, you can't just say it's a great article because he agrees with me. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what the well, rest I, of I the, think, I, but I think that is a lot of uh, you know when you see things when people say this is a great article. I, I you know I do it often enough. Yeah, uh, I just thought it's a great I, article. Yeah, uh, because it agrees with me. Uh, but you know, it, I, I think that's okay. You can you can have a great article because it agrees with me and it articulates my my position better than I could. Well, I, I think well he did I that. Find value in that. That's what I found. That's what I found on this on this. Essentially, Maddie, uh, it's it's a tape. This dude dude's on a podcast and he's a clinical psychologist and so it's the exact same thing probably as Doctor Doctor Johnson Doctor Blade would tell us our buddy. But he he basically. Uh, Reiterated, and the guy let him talk for, you know, half hour, uh, basically said that when you, when you do certain things, like lock people up in their house and lock people, you do those for a reason. And, and every time you do it, whatever it is you do, there's, which is, we've been saying bits and pieces for how long, there's, there's some alternative, you know, some bad stuff's gonna happen from whatever, whatever you did. And he basically was talking about how, you know, People are, they're, they're not, they're not, we're not meant to die alone. We're not meant to be alone. There's, there's all kinds of costs with that, especially with kids, especially with older people. I mean, there's people in, in nursing homes here that still aren't eating together at night after two years. That still can't see the person in the, in the room next to them. I mean, we're, the, the cost to that is dramatic. And what he's saying is, you, you have to maintain, you have to be aware of what, of the costs, the costs you're, you're putting on people, and at some point, they may actually match, or the or the cost you're putting on people might might be be worse than the benefit you think you're getting from whatever it is you're doing. I mean, it's, it's to me, Kevin. It wasn't doctor stuff. It was just common sense. And and, and yet, somehow or another, in our political world, in our our news world, I and mean, this is not right or left. It's, somehow or another, we've got we've got this thing now that we just no matter what it is. I mean, if, if we were bleeding people in this in this day and age, we'd still be bleeding people because nobody would say, "Hey, it doesn't work. We just didn't bleed them enough." I mean. Basically, what he was talking about is is we talk well, he, he, he talked a lot about mass forming, and, and yeah. basically the the idea here is that um, in the name of uh, uh, you know, in this case, public safety or the common good or whatever, that you can generally find about thirty percent. You know, he he did thirty, forty, and thirty. Um, you know what you could argue what the numbers really are, but about thirty percent of the people who are just going to be completely bought in and really, really vocal about being being bought in, and then you have uh, you know the other thirty on the other end who are completely against 
uh, the measures taken, and they're generally pretty vocal too. And I think you see that in the divide. And the, the this is the the middle group that sort of goes along because they're you know they maybe they start out by trusting the um, uh, you know the the people who are imposing the restrictions in the case of COVID uh, and and have faith in them. And uh, and until they start to push back. Uh, it, you know, it, you essentially have a 70% majority when they're just kind of going along, even if it's go along to get along. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, that, that was what I took away from the, uh, um, the video. And, uh, and that was a, a long interview. It was a, a, over an hour. Um, but that's what I walked away from is that, uh, um, you know, you, we, we have, uh, kind of a, um, uh, a, 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 a affirmation by capitulation does that make sense well I, 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 it's interesting how people take away different uh you know different pieces and the part i i zeroed in on um or if we both watched it again we probably come up with the different part i watched in is that is that the people making the policy are very reluctant to either observe or calculate the costs they're imposing on people and then they and they will not they they, they will never change their mind is that is they're causing more harm than, than than good, right? And and you, you know, it's one thing to you you should take it into account before you impose policies, but they don't even take it into account after after it's obvious what it is. Yeah, and and I think you're you're seeing you're starting to get that kind of what I described the, the uh, dissonance that I described uh, now, uh, and and you have the CDC and and people like Fauci are now starting to talk about. Um, you know this whole idea of uh, uh, people in the hospitals with COVID versus because of COVID, um, because they're they are kind of in a stuck place right now. Where if you if you acknowledge that, then what you're essentially acknowledging is that the numbers we've been feeding people have been a load of crap. And if you don't acknowledge it, then you have people sitting there saying, "My God, the vaccines aren't working because so many people are being hospitalized." <laughs> well, yeah, and, you're, uh, you're, you're, you're cup to you know, rack so, place. So they're they're sort of in the damned if you do, damned if you don't um, uh, mode right now, trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to finesse this. And you're starting to see that. I mean, just the 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 change over the last week of the the numbers of things that um, uh, that we've seen. Uh, you know, we've 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 had the uh, CNN medical expert saying cloth masks don't work. What it, I think she said it was your your cloth mask is nothing more than a face decoration. You have the CD director telling you P- PCR tests aren't reliable, which is sort of setting you up for oh well we've overstated the case, uh, cases because of the PCR tests. Uh, you know, the backing off of the quarantines to five days. Uh, there's and uh, uh, and and then you know Fauci very specifically said talking about children said many of the children hospitalized with COVID as opposed uh, uh, are hospitalized with COVID as opposed to because of COVID and uh, and and so you know you you keep going you know all of these things are getting lobbed out there now look for them to gain traction over the next few weeks as they as we sort of try to transcend transition. Uh, from being at war with I don't know whoever it was to being now at war with East Asia, and of course we've always been at war with East Asia. Yeah, when Russia, <laughs> although Russia does seem to be well, that, that's it. the um, um, the 1984 quote. Um, yeah, you know we're at, we're at war with East Asia. We've always been at war with East oh, yeah, Asia. Yeah. Well, I 
the uh, you just wonder how we're gonna. I, I'm I'm stunned. Actually, I'm not stunned, but I, as people know, as at the end of the year, um, there is there is somewhat of a, a, a theme to the show. <laughs> it's hard sometimes hard to ferret it out. Uh, is everything is pretty much similar or depends on everything else? Is is really what I what I learned in, in school, and that there is no no man can do just one thing. And you look at what's happening in this and the, and the, the flow of information. It's 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 really a study. I hope people are studying it. I don't know that uh, you know the older generation. If they aren't I, they will. If they aren't, they probably will. I, you know, you know, as long as people like Russell and uh, and people like uh, our buddy Hal are, are are the guys in, in teaching kids, I think we will learn. I mean, because those guys, you know, maybe we just got a really good sample of people that are teaching kids these days. And you, I'll add you into that group. Uh, but I, I mean, you, you look at this whole routine about the cruise ships, and you and you learn about the, the most startling thing in this whole mess of, uh, in terms of you know, big companies doing what they want to do and what governments will do for big companies, is this whole mess is the absurdity of sitting next to somebody on a plane, and somehow the ventilation of the plane is going to keep everybody safe, yet. For anybody who's not an absolute moron, and I, us- I don't usually say that, the only reason why this thing was able to get around the world in, in, in what, three weeks is because everybody was on a plane. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how is it? I mean, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't fly. I would fly because I already had it and I, you know, whatever. I, I don't really, I'm not afraid of it. But the, I, the, uh, the idea that we have people walking down the block crossing the street because the guy coming at him isn't masked, yet it's okay to sit next between two people on a plane. It's so absurd to me. I can't. I can't believe we bought that one. I mean, I mean, talk about and, it. And yet we do. And yet there we are do. So many inconsistencies like that. Um, my my favorite is uh, is is an elevator. Um, I won't say where it is, but an elevator that uh, that I have used recently. Uh, and uh, and and it has it, it has a maximum of two people allowed, and uh, and it has little dots on the opposite corners where you're supposed to stand while you're riding up the elevator. Now, do you need your nose and in the corner? Or can you face the other guy? I, I, I I'm sitting there going, oh yeah, that's going to help. We're going to we're going to get in this little enclosed six by six box or whatever it is, <laughs> and. and you stand over there. I'll stand over here. Hold your breath. <laughs> Hold your breath until we get to your floor. I, you know, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's just so the, the idea that that would in any way matter. <laughs> but we're we're supposed to believe. Ridiculous. We're supposed to believe that the people that well, first of all, we are supposed to believe that this new variant came from South Africa and Nigeria. It's the two places where it was. We're supposed to believe that people got on the plane. Didn't give it to anybody on the plane because it's so damn safe. And as soon as they got off, went somewhere when they found somebody without a mask and they infected people on this end, that nobody on the plane was was infected by them. Well, I, I I can't imagine people think I'm that stupid. I mean, well, any, take, take the insult in stride, Tom. I mean, it's it's just like I mean that, that is so incredible to me. I can't even I can't even go there. Anyway, what about all those? Uh, let's talk something about football. What about all those bowl games last night at Peru? Hey, did you stay up late last night for that uh, Wisconsin? Uh, I did uh, not. I, I dozed off in the middle the of the Las Vegas uh, bowl that came on here. I don't know about ten thirty at night or eleven o'clock or whatever. It I, was. I, I, I made a, I made it to about three quarters of the way through the Michigan State game. Who ended up winning that one? Um, Michigan State. 
They were, uh, who were they playing? They were, uh, I was losing track of teams there. They are playing one. Pitt. They are playing Pitt, yeah. Pitt was winning. We'll tell the quarterback out of Yeah, Pitt, uh, Pitt led most of the game. I think uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, Pitt defense caved on the last two drives of the game, and uh, uh, and, and uh, Michigan State won the game. I don't want to. Yeah, Michigan State. No, no, they did have, they, you know, Michigan State took like a, a three-point lead, and then Pitts uh, drove into a, a well into field goal range to tie it with, uh, you know, maybe a minute or maybe even less. Less it was less than a minute to play, and they were well within field goal range. And the Pitt quarterback threw a god awful interception. I mean, it was. Which know, one was he? The number was, three? Or? Was, he, he couldn't have let the uh, linebacker any better, and and of course the linebacker. Uh, made the uh, full sprint down to the end zone and I'm sitting there going you idiot hit the ground <laughs> hit the ground as soon as you do the game's over because all you have to do is send your team out to take a knee and it's over instead you're going to kick the ball back to them and while it would be totally crazy for them to uh uh you know uh, to to get back in the game you know you could be uh you could be sweating the uh, onside kick if they get a kick return for a touchdown and now they're going to onside kick it and you got to sweat that out just hit the ground, idiot. I got news for you. If I'm going to have linebacker ready to score a touchdown on national TV, I'm going to the end zone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be known as the smart football player. Oh, God. Pitt was up 21-10 in, heading into the fourth quarter, and Michigan State scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Well, the, the Pitt yeah, quarter. No, the, last, the last seven were that, you know, but, were yeah. the interception. Yeah. So, you know, for, for what that's worth, um, you know, it, uh, it, it was just, um, they were meaningless points, but they they did take the lead. I mean, the the pit defense just gave it up. Well, the pit quarterback is supposed to be the best in the I country. I up and said, have, "Have your way with me." He doesn't. <laughs> so he doesn't play. He's up in the press box. As they kept saying, how he's preparing for the NFL, and the kids sitting in the press box. If he's not going to play, why do you even bring him to the game? Maybe you, you know, there's uh, there's some people that have uh, put their names in the transfer portal, and they've been playing for their uh, existing team. Oh, that's cool. Well, then I think it was—I think it might have been Florida's quarterback. That's their starting quarterback that he he played, even though he's already said he's transferring at the end of the semester. Well, the second-string quarterback dives at the end zone, lands on his left shoulder, so he's out. He comes out with a sling, an arm in a sling, and then the, so the third-string guy. But the, Michigan State's quarterback could could he, could the guy be any worse? I mean, I I know you shouldn't say that about a guy who's made it to that level, but. The guy couldn't hit his ass with both hands when he was throwing the ball around. I mean, there were guys were yeah, what? And, and yet he was good at the end. He was good in the fourth quarter. Wow. I, I threw three touchdown passes. So, well, early in the game, he could have thrown three, and he was missing guys like, I mean, he was missing the guy and the, and the guy covering me was so far off. The Big Ten well, that, remains that's undefeated. Tom, that you're, go, you're going to see in college a lot. You see it in pros some, uh, unless you watch the Bears, then you see it in the pros a lot. Uh, but the, uh, you know, the, the big thing, the, why, why quarterbacks are wild is that they don't have a consistent throwing motion. Um, that uh, you know, you, you, you see it with a pitcher too when they get a little yeah. out of sync. But it's it's some of them just they're all over the place. You know, one time they'll have the perfect throwing motion, next time uh, the same quarterbacks will uh, on the on the subsequent pass are just going to be a little bit out of whack. And that's you know that is is like the big key to uh, being a consistent passer is. Uh, is having the uh, having the good throwing motion at all times, and uh, and and quarterbacks just aren't well coached when it comes to that uh, in college. Well, some They're people have a talent. Come into the NFL with that kind of uh, uh, perfect repetition of the throwing motion, 
and and that's the difference between being an accurate quarterback and not. Now, there's still some guys that don't have the major league arm, but they can be accurate, and those guys tend to survive as backup quarterbacks uh, for in the league for a long time. But um, well, but some guys have the innate. You're all over the place, then uh, you know you're no good to your team because you you, you have no idea whether you're going to convert a third down or not. But it's some it's some it's very similar. Most people wouldn't think so, but it's it's very similar to shooting in basketball. You 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 it's a lot of it's lower body, but the guys that are really good, the, the even especially the the smaller guys, the Drew Breeses of the world, the Joe Theismans, those kind of guys, for virtually any anything they're doing, whether they're sprinting, whatever they're doing, if they go to throw, they immediately their footwork is the same, even if they're running and they're standing or whatever. They they have that lower body quickness that they can always get in position. It's like a Jerry West in basketball. No matter what he was doing, he could get his legs under him, and his and his shot always looked the same. Yeah, by the uh, you know balanced, yeah, not, not not fading, not you know very often unless you know unless you're like intentionally, but always balanced, shoulders square to the basket, elbow under the ball, yep. follow through on the release. And if you could go back and watch Michael Jordan, and no matter how outrageous, even young Michael, no matter how outrageous the movie put on, by the time even even on a dunk, by the time he would let it go. Shoulders were square to the basket. He was balanced, and uh, uh, and and, uh, and and the release was clean. Yeah, the athleticism is spectacular, good. and that's why you see some people that can quote play undersized, and other people can't because they have an ama- they have amazing footwork. Joe Theismann was for all the years I played basketball, and I played against some guys that played college ball. Uh, a lot of guys played. I would say Joe Theismann was the quickest person I've ever seen on basketball floor. And he he was he was on and that, that, and that shows. I mean, I, that's what he did. Is you know you don't you don't get to return punts if you're not in the NFL if you're not quick, right? Right. Yeah. Or it, you, you know, it's, it's it, 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 you can be freakishly athletic, but you still have to be fundamentally sound to be an outstanding player. Uh, Kevin, what's the uh, or, or Maddie? What is how is the uh, economics of the bowl games changes here? Are, are they still? Are they still expecting Michigan State to sell, you know, ten, twelve thousand tickets, or are they just say it, it, it varies from bowl to bowl. Some of the lower level ones are as low as five thousand. Some of the others are, uh, you know, twelve thousand, five, fifteen thousand, you know, whatever. So, yeah, you have to take them, and, uh, uh, and 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 so you have to buy them. And often teams will return them back to the uh, bowl, and say, and they'll get distributed to uh, local not for profits. Uh, but the school is is buying the tickets regardless. Well, the the one we we're talking about, the Tennessee game against Purdue. Now that was in Nashville, so they had a a pretty serious crowd of just people from Tennessee. I mean, it was uh, you didn't have to travel. And, and that, Purdue, that's, not, that's not a long drive for uh, um, people from Indiana either. I think that was the only bowl game I've seen so far that was sold out. Yeah, it looked like it was mapped. I mean, uh, it was a sellout. Oh, obviously. I mean, yeah. I was, uh, I, but all I the other ones are half full. Did you watch any of the ones like two, three weeks ago? Or usually the ones that didn't want to pan the upper deck and stuff? I mean, were they real bad or were people there? Uh, they've all been, I would say, about half full, except for the, the game yesterday, Tennessee-Purdue. Have there been any, uh, shall we say, photographer glitches where they, they try and keep it on the lower level, then all of a sudden the guy will oopsie and he'll throw the upper deck and it's closed or something? <laughs> I know uh, I was on, you know, I follow the Iowa football Twitter feed and, they tweeted something three or four days ago. They're playing in the Citrus Bowl uh, tomorrow in Orlando against Kentucky. They're you know both top fifteen teams, 
and uh, they, I think, were given 10,000 tickets. And as of three or four days ago when they tweeted out, they st- had only sold 5,000. So I assume they're going to return a bunch. And they usually travel as well as anyone in the country. Uh, so I assume that's consistent with all these teams, that they're just not selling all these tickets. With the airline situation the way it is, can you get 10,000 people from, well, I'm not going to say they're all leaving uh, from a lot of people, A lot of people aren't get, making their flights. I, I'm hearing that, you know, people trying to get to Phoenix uh, from the Notre Dame fan base. Uh, a lot of people are having trouble. That was a big problem with the band, too. Notre Dame decided not to send the band, and they, they documented it. I mean, this was decided like the day they were supposed to be flying out. And, and this was documented, you know, as a, um, a safety measure. Uh, but a fellow I know who um, is uh, a, a local here and has a, a band member in the family, uh, his daughter's in the band, said, you know, she she was hearing that uh, a lot of people were just having trouble getting there, that they were going to have, you know, like two-thirds of the band because a, a third of them couldn't get their flights, had their flights canceled. Well, the Purdue band was, was at the game yesterday, but I wonder if it was the whole, the whole group or not. Yeah, and you know, and maybe they're maybe they're not going to march at halftime. So do expect for the Notre Dame at least a slightly shorter halftime show tomorrow, uh, and and half halftime. Uh, you know, have, uh, they, they, maybe they'll be back five minutes earlier because the Notre Dame uh, band is not going to. They just, they're just going to talk more in the studio because they're not going to lose a commercial over it. Yeah, they're probably. You're probably right. I mean, you got probably 15. right. Yeah, I'm, I'm meeting. Uh, I'm meeting uh, some friends for a, a game watch tomorrow. All of the game watch may be, you know, okay. It's halftime. Everybody scatter home. Yeah, <laughs> uh, or you can be home. You can be home for the second half. Don't don't some of the people who need to be these announcers in some of these games and boy, walking down a road bad road here. Don't you at least have to go to speaking English school? No. But I, I know we're we're trying to push the street cred, but God, there's a limit to it, isn't there? Just saying, I, I you know I would not want to embarrass myself. Um, no, you know there's one thing you know we, you, you can go back and uh, if you watch the I, I'm pretty sure you watched the uh, Madden uh, special. Yeah, I did not, but I, I heard about it. Oh, okay, it was it was rebroadcast lo- at least locally here uh, yesterday, and it was it was good. Um, but you know John Madden wasn't the uh, the study in uh, being grammatically correct. No, he wasn't he wasn't awful either because. You know, he, yeah, he he actually has a degree in education and actually did do some teaching uh, once upon a time. So, um, you know, he's, he he wasn't a blithering idiot, but he you know he he was he was very much an everyman English uh, spoken everyman brand of English, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, with a lot of booms thrown in there. Well, yeah, I mean, he was. <laughs> yeah, well, I I thought he was. Uh, you know, he, he he used a lot of football jargon, but I mean, I. There, yeah. There's a few people I've seen in the last week. I'm like, you got to be kidding me! All, all it is is just using another like the most recent you know football word for a block or for something. And once you get through the grammar, there's like t- twenty words coming out of the guy, and that's all you're going to get. I mean, it's, it's clearly not the Dan Deardorff when he learned he was going to be a broadcaster, went and learned how to broadcast hockey because he didn't want to just be the 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 Jack who played there and, and, and tosses in a Jack word once in a while. We're, we're, we're kind of past that, aren't we? I would hope so, and and there should be plenty of guys who, um, you know, who, who can who can do a good job and prepare and and speak uh, a rather articulate brand of English. But we all know. I mean, yeah. you know how you know I do two hours a week with you. You do uh, t- uh, ten hours a week. Sometimes you're just going to say 
you know, you're, you're just going to butcher the language. Oh, I am, I am for know. sure. I am I, if you, you ask me to talk for an hour, guess what? You're going to get, you know, 10 minutes of maybe thoughtful stuff and about 50 minutes of idiocy, so... Hey, we come back, Kevin. Let's. In uh, fact, there's the name for the show today, Matt. Fifty minutes of video. Yep. Hey, when you come back, it's not 120. Yeah, at least not 100. When you come back, we're 120. Let's, let's, let's talk a bit about how this all, uh, how, how the economics of this plays out. I mean, we've I've talked a lot about the Fed. We've talked a lot about the cities. A lot of these buildings going under. I mean, we, now we we appear to be immersed back in the COVID, which I kind of hope you got to hope we were out of. I still am I am I a total moron here? Probably. I, I honestly believe that this Omicron thing is in, in it's it's blown through so fast that it's gonna blow itself out in another three or four weeks the areas that have been hit the most are gonna be in a downward slide and we might finally, finally be out of this mess. Am I am I way too optimistic on that? Yes. Yeah. You know what I, I did read last night? I was digging into some uh I don't know, some that they think that the this you know what makes this Omicron so different? They think it actually merged with a with a part of a cold virus that you can see us. Uh, we'll talk about that. After, but I, that's all I know about. It. I mean, I'm no, I didn't have it under a microscope or anything. Does anybody even use a microscope anymore? Why doesn't it? SP Futures down eight, and as if he's on twenty six. Be right back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The Control Freaks Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howard. I'm on the board. I just made a mistake of turning over to CNBC here for a second. It's got me frosted. But got right. 
I gotta turn this thing off, man, when we're doing the show. I just have to. SP futures, uh, down 8, NASDAQ futures down 27, Dow futures down 82. Uh, so we, we closed lower last night. This is a review. Yesterday, we ducked down 90 in the Dow after being up all day. S&P was down 14. It was up, I'm gonna say 8 points for probably, 7 to 8 points for probably 6 hours, then ducked in the last half hour, probably 20 points. NASDAQ down 24. It was up most of the day, almost 100. Uh, over in Europe, we've got, the DAX up 32.2%, FTSE down 42, that's 0.6%. Kekaran down 26.4%, so they're not exactly whipping up a storm here the last day of the year. Nikkei down 115.4%, Shanghai, which has been pretty strong lately. It's up 20.6%, and here, Hang Seng, a little bit of a bounce last day of the year, but I think they're still down for the year. Up 285, 1.2%. Uh, Bands down one basis point to 1.50. The Bund, uh, uh, Negative point one eight. So again, we keep creeping, creeping toward that zero number very slowly. Uh, Japan up uh, positive point zero seven. Uh, we've got oil down one forty three seventy five fifty six, but still pretty good rally in the last couple of weeks. Brent down one forty three to seventy eight ten. Natural gas up six cents three sixty two, but back under four. I think it's flying around in this under four number here. Uh, it was just four dollars like two days ago. It's down ten percent, and now back up two percent. That's crazy for gas. Our Bob uh, down two cents at two twenty six. We've got gold up five ninety eighteen twenty, highest we've seen for a while. It's still a bad year for gold. Silver up seven cents twenty three thirteen. Copper up two cents four forty two, and we've got uh, Bitcoin up six twenty nine to forty eight thousand zero one nine. Maybe we got for his traffic weather sports. 37 minutes past the hour. Good morning and happy New Year to everyone on uh, New Year's Eve this morning. Uh, because it's New Year's Eve, we have no traffic issues, uh, no delays to speak of uh, on any of the area expressways, roadways, and tollways, and no accidents off the expressways either. So if you are heading out this morning, which not many people are except for us, uh, then uh, drive safe, but I think... Uh, You'll get to wherever you're going fast because there's no delays out there. Weather today, it's going to be a nice day, and then we have snow coming in uh, tomorrow. Could see uh, a significant accumulation depending upon where you are, but uh, not today. Overcast skies, a high of 43. Right now, it is mostly cloudy and 36 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast today and a high of 58. Right now, it's mostly clear and 54. In sports, uh, the Bulls were off yesterday. They're back in action this afternoon for a New Year's Eve matinee in Indianapolis. They'll take on the Pacers. That's a 2 p.m. Central Time tip-off. Suns were off as well. They're at the Celtics this afternoon. That's a noon uh, Central Time tip, which is a 10 a.m. tip-off for our Arizona listeners. So some morning basketball. The Suns are tied for first place in the Western Conference, and the Bulls are just a half game behind Brooklyn for first place in the Eastern Conference. So our NBA teams are two of the best in the league. Matty, what's your read on uh, the Bulls? Are they real? I think they are. I think they are, too. Uh, I went to the game the other night, uh, my first game of the season in person, and uh, had a sold-out crowd, and they blew out... Uh, Atlanta, and Atlanta was a team that made it pretty far in the playoffs last year, actually. I think they might have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. I can't remember if it was the Finals or Semifinals. Yeah, they were were pretty far in. And uh, the Bulls just blew them out uh, uh, Wednesday night. But I think the Bulls are very good. Now, there's a difference between regular season good and playoffs good in the NBA. And with, like, Tom Thibodeau teams with Derrick Rose and stuff, they were very good in the regular season, and they could never really do much in the playoffs. I think this team, I don't know if they're a title contender, but I think they're definitely a team that can get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, 
and then we'll see. I don't know if they can in a playoff series when it's a lot of uh, you know really hard defense and, and a lot of sort of great players making one-on-one type plays. I don't know if they can do that, but with Levine and DeRozan, um, I mean that's as good of a one-two combo as, as pretty much anyone else has. So uh, we'll see. College football playoff is uh, this afternoon. Uh, beginning this afternoon, Cincinnati versus Alabama is the 2.30 Central Time kickoff at the Cotton Bowl. And then the Georgia-Michigan game will kick off afterward, uh, approximately 6.30 p.m. Central Time uh, from the Orange Bowl down in South Florida. Uh, so looking forward to that. I know our buddy uh, Joel Conan is uh, looking forward to that as well. Big Ten, by the way, is undefeated in bowl games so far, 5-0. and uh, They went 3-0 and yesterday. Wisconsin, uh, Purdue, and Michigan State all won. And then they have a couple more games remaining. But Michigan, uh, the big focus. Of course, the Irish, uh, their bowl game is tomorrow, uh, the Fiesta Bowl. Chief. The, uh, the you know, many, I, I was uh, one, of, one of the guys that was totally disparaging the NBA for a while because there was seemingly didn't resemble basketball at all. I watched some games this year. There's way more defense now than there was three years ago, I think. Yeah, they changed the rules again. Um, so... It, it was it's it's the total pendulum uh, thing going on, just like it, it kind of happens in everything, I guess, whether it's sports or politics or anything else. But they uh, the the game got way too physical and ugly and low scoring in the eighties, nineties, and early two thousands, and uh, it it was not a good product. And so then they changed the rules and basically made it so you couldn't breathe on anyone. And then it became a game of just no defense at all and and a lot of free throws if you if you happen to touch somebody and a lot of flopping. And then now they've, they've changed the rules to where if you flop, it's a technical. And, uh, and they're not gonna give you the bailout, uh, you know, you know, three shot foul if, uh, you, you lean into the guy and, and, and then throw it up at the basket. And, and they've, they've allowed you to, you know, they've sort of swung it back in, in favor of the defense a little bit. And right now, it's, it's, it's kind of found a nice middle ground. We'll see how long it lasts until the players figure out a new way to exploit it, which is kind of how it works. Uh, but it's, it's a, it's really, it really is a great product right now. The only negative is that every game you don't know who's going to be on the floor because guys are entering the COVID yeah. protocols every single night. So you flip on a game and two of the, two of the three best players on a given team might be out that night and, and that's ruining the product in a different way. But as far as the, uh, the rules, they've really found a nice sweet spot and it's got a great flow. Teams are scoring in the, you know, 100s, but they're playing defense and it, it, it's good stuff. Well, it seems like at the rate they're going with the COVID, everybody's going to have to have it in another three weeks. I mean, God, there can't be anybody left. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And then they'll be all set for the playoff stretch. Yeah. It's funny, though. Yeah. A lot of the fringe... You know, Matt, you mentioned the, the top two guys on, on the Bulls, and they are both uh, playing at an MVP, you know, candidate level. Um, but when Vucevic is your number three, that ain't bad. Uh, right. And, and uh, and then they have some other guys who were really you know starting to come along. Um, you know that Kobe White is finally starting to uh, uh, live up to his promise. Uh, and and you know it's too bad they don't have Patrick Williams because uh, he has he had so much potential to be a really great player too. But they've really put together a nice roster for the next few years. And I if they aren't a contender this year, they will be. I agree. And uh, I, Io Dasumu, I did not know. You know, Morgan Park kid played at University of Illinois, All American, leaves after his junior year, and was projected to be a lottery pick, and then didn't really have a great sort of NBA combine. He's not a great outside shooter, 
And even though he has, you know, immense talent and confidence and, and seems to be improving every year of his, you know, college career, uh, he falls to the second round. And what a gift. Uh, the Bulls. Deal of the draft. Huh? Oh, I mean, this guy is, is gonna be, he has a chance to be on the first team all rookie team, or at least, in, you know, second team, and he gets better every week, and he's developing the outside shot, he's confident, he, he guarded Trey Young the other night when I was there for, while he was on the floor, and Trey Young's one of the best scorers in the league, and, and he really frustrated Trey Young. I mean, he was up in him, and, and he made every shot difficult, and Trey Young still scored points, but, Io is just man. He is that. Kid, that kid's something else. And and you're right. Kobe White is coming into his own. Coming off the the, well, the shoulder kid, the surgery. The kid who got hurt is he? He's he's totally toast for this year. Or they were talking about. Well, maybe there's an outside chance he could be back for the playoffs if they want to even do it. But yeah, he broke his wrist and had surgery on it. And there was, it was pretty ugly. Yeah, too. it was ligaments and and bone and uh, and had surgery on it. Um, and so you, I would be surprised if he comes back, but he's only 20 years old and has tons of talent, especially on the defensive end. And and they're getting great production from you know Vucevic, as you mentioned, but but a lot of these role player guys, Javante Green and Derek Jones Jr. and just kind of guys that can play multiple positions that are athletic and and that that are scrappy, and they kind of let yeah the dudes that they throw it, in there off off the. The, the taxi squad are playing well. Right, and they, they don't have a ton of size, which could hurt them in the playoffs outside of Vucevic because it's a lot of sort of six, 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 seven kind of athletic wing guys that can play kind of the two through the four, but they don't really have any true sort of six eleven, you know, power forward type guy, and that could maybe hurt them in the playoffs when the game becomes more of a half-court game. So we'll see, And but uh, but yeah, they're absolutely a, a contender to to have a deep run. Well, and, and, you know, role players are great to have. You know, what we've gotten used to, uh, over the, in recent years is a team full of role players without the great players right. to, to go with them. But when you have, you know, your, your three stars uh, on your team, your three all-star caliber players, man, having role players that you can fit in, it becomes the coach's challenge to make, you know, to make, ro- you know, find roles that work and, and get everybody to buy into them. But, when you know, then those role players are just really sweet to have. Yes, they are, and we didn't even mention Lonzo Ball, who right. I, I think has been yeah, a, a who's, terrific yeah, player. He's really good too, and you know, in, in shooting better, which you know, historically in his career, he's not been a great shooter. But as he started to develop a little bit of an outside shot, then they have to uh, they have to honor that. Uh, in defending him, and that gives him a path to the basket. And he, I don't know if you saw the story on him, but he reconstructed the form of his shot completely from like his first and second year in the NBA until you know I think last year. Uh, it's a completely different shot, like the mechanics of it. And I've, I don't think I've yeah, ever seen it was anyone ugly do before. We were talking earlier about the fundamentals. Yeah, his was not fundamental. Have you ever seen a guy that completely changed the form of his shot like that? I'm going to do that as, next a, as a pro. It's sort of like Tiger Woods redoing his swing. Right. I mean, you see that maybe as a college player or certainly a high school player. I don't think I've ever seen a pro player completely change the mechanics of his shot and have it actually work. Maybe that's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to do that next week. <laughs> Now the guy looks, he has a normal form, great follow through, and he, and he, he's shooting at a high percentage now. Weird. He's actually not afraid to take the threes. Yeah, and, and he's, I, he's, he's such an unselfish player, and he's, he's athletic, and he's tall, and he's a pass first guy, and, and he's exactly what they needed to get the good players the ball in the spots that they like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, remember, you know, the big worry about anybody drafting him was that he was going to be a head case. And he's not at all. No, he's not at all. It's crazy. He's not at all. Uh, you know, I mean, that was probably more, 
uh, a, a function of his father being a head case. Yep. But, well, uh, they seem to draft these guys. School, but uh, but nevertheless, he's he's not at all. He's he's uh, you know by all appearances, he's a terrific teammate. I think when you get on these uh, teams that are winning, teammate on the floor, I wouldn't know off the floor, but on the floor, he's a terrific teammate. Well, it seems like some teams once you get this, even with with Jordan being, he was a little odd sometimes, but the other people on the team had a camaraderie that. They like playing for a winning team. They like playing for Jackson, and we're gonna. I mean, it seems like this whole thing. Everybody seems to be working. It's it's, it's it, everybody for the team right now, and it's uh, yeah. You know, they're winning. It's nice. I mean, and the role players just, just feed off that. It's so true, and and you know, it doesn't always. It's a fickle thing. It doesn't always last very long. I mean, it might only be one season. Sometimes it's two or three seasons. We saw it with the the Tom Thibodeau Bulls. It kind of wears out after a while but when it's when it's really clicking everyone is bought in it's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch and that's what we're seeing every night uh, well i tend to think that um you know donovan is going to grade on people the same way that uh, thibodeau could um you know that that the uh, the, the heavy-handed uh, leadership style act gets gets old after a while and you know i i, I do uh, i equate this to um you know as as a management teacher uh, um I, I definitely uh, you know jump into that mindset uh, that really, it you know, there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of it, it's not. Uh, uh, there's there's both art and science to building teams, um, and uh, and and it's you know it's something you have to do very intentionally, and that's that's the big thing. There are steps that you know you always have to take to uh, to lead effectively, and you have to do it on purpose all the time. And in uh, in in the case of the Bulls, you know, as you do build a team, you get that camaraderie, and you do get it to last. It becomes a uh, everybody's got each other's backs. Everybody's saying, you know, what what can I do to pitch in? You you kind of you have to work to defeat the factions. You don't want to have factions on your team. You want to have, you know, a, 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 just a, you know a group where everybody is saying, how can I pitch in? How can I help? And uh, and, and it is it, it's in sports, it becomes very obvious when that's happening. In the business world, you know, we don't get to observe that, you know, about other businesses very often. Um, but in the uh, in the sports world, we do, which is sort of why, I, uh, you know, one of the things I really enjoy about sports is you get to see the whole team dynamic play out, and that's the part that really fascinates me. Well, the, the question, the million-dollar question, always to me has been, when the example I use is, uh, of course I use it, but I always forget the guy's name, but I always can count on you guys come up with the name. The Atlanta Braves were so, were so good for so long, with Bobby Cox as the manager, and uh and yet one night I was I was watching this interview and uh some guy just happened to play for him for a cup of coffee or whatever it was. Maddie, who was the pitcher who was the captain captain it wasn't Maddox. Um Smoltz? Glavin. Or Glavin. One of the two. Glavin I think, or Smoltz. I think, I think Smoltz was kind of I think Smoltz was actually kind of the guy. Well, cuz he said if if you came up from the minors that night the captain would take you to dinner and he'd say this is how we operate here. And uh, everybody's professional. Everybody does this. Everybody shows up. Nobody's, you know, a couple of beers maybe. That's about it. And that's the way. If you want to be an Atlanta Brave, that's the way we're all going to get along. Because that's what we all do. Now, my question always has been, what came first, Glavin or Cox? It's like, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? I, I don't know who who allowed the other to do well, the. Well, and, and I, I'd say it doesn't matter, but it does. Um, smart, smart managers. Um, you know, smart head coaches. Smart, everybody is going to find their leaders and work through them constantly. Uh, I mean that that is, you know, it, it, it is so important because, um, you know, it, it, when when you don't have that leadership, and and I 
again, I can equate it to Notre Dame basketball. They haven't had it for a while. Um, and when you don't have that kind of a leader and it's all left to the coach, well, first of all, during a game, there aren't enough timeouts to be telling them everything they need to do. So, you know, you need that person on the floor who's going to keep everything organized and every time there's a whistle is going to pull everybody together and say, here, we got to dig in here. We're not, you know, we're breaking down. You need that. But boy, when you have it, you know, when, uh, when I could see, um, uh, uh, Mike Bray wa- and watch him work through a Pat Connaughton or a, uh, um, uh, Demetrius uh, Jackson, uh, uh, and th- those would be the recent ones. But I even go back to a, a Rob Kerr's or a Tory Jackson. That when I, you know, could watch him very intentionally working through those guys, because it was if if Connaughton said it, everybody did it. You know, they they loved him, they respected him, and and he was never going to let anybody let down. If, you know, and, and he'd know whether to boot you in the ass or whether to. Uh, uh, whether to put his arm around you, but either way, nothing was ever going to be left to chance. But he also was, you know, so so respected and so liked that they everybody wanted to please him. So they may tune the coach out, you know, after a while, uh, as as athletes tend to do. But when you're wor- when you can work, you know, your message through a leader, and you have a great re- uh, relationship with a team leader, then it lasts. That's what makes it go for a long time. That was Phil Jackson with Michael uh, Jordan. And that, that was part of the genius of Phil Jackson. And he figured it out with Kobe Bryant, too. Yeah, well, so cool. I have two questions on this. One, were, are you surprised that Billy Donovan has been so successful, just knowing that college coaches typically coming to the pros, whether it's in the NBA or in the NFL, it's very rare that they're successful for whatever reason. It just doesn't, that skill set for some reason doesn't translate well. Well, it did with the guy from Butler. It, it did, I mean, it did for a short run and then, and then he, he, he started getting tuned out and now he's not coaching. Uh, but, but yeah, it did with him. But there's, there's, for every, you know, sort of one that it worked, I can name 20 that it didn't work. Uh, and, I, and I agree with you, Matt. And you know, for for a long time, for like decades, I was saying that the last one that I've seen saw make it work was Dick Mata. So that yeah. tells you how far back yeah. it goes. Uh, I, I I do think that the the yeah the, the head, head coaching, especially in, uh, in in the professional sports, is all about managing the people, managing the egos, man, you know, keeping keeping everybody focused, and you know, college players. They come out of high school. They're used to getting yelled at. They're used to, you know, all of those kinds of things. And, you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of college players over the years. And, you know, when I talk about, you know, coach yelling at them all the time or coach screaming at them, well, yeah, he's just trying to get me to be the best I can. When, you know, the only, t- when, when a college coach goes off the rails and loses his team, it's generally because the coach makes it about himself, not about the, the players. But the, the players don't, are still of a mindset where they don't mind getting pushed. They don't mind, uh, you know, people screaming at them if necessary. You know, some coaches have that style, some don't. Um, and, and even Mike Bray, who has a reputation as being a very nice guy, go sit behind the Irish bench sometime and you'll learn some new words. <laughs> you know, the players are, are willing to accept that. They lose that in the pros. You become a grown man. You're not. You don't want somebody berating you any more than you would want. You know, and any of us would want that in a work environment. Um, you know, nobody wants to be treated that way. And I think a, a lot of college coaches go in and they don't have the skill set to change that over and to, you know, to, to manage men instead of boys. And,
and I, I think that's where they go wrong. And Donovan is clearly, he's, you know, because he was successful not just now, but he was pretty much successful right away at, at OKC. Uh, it is was ready for that and did it, and uh, and good for him because that you're right. It's so unusual. It it just guys don't make that transition. Well, and then my second my second leadership question is the Bulls front office. I mean, after a decade of mediocrity, to come in, sur- kind of survey for a year, and then in year two put a contender on the floor. How do you do that? <laughs> like how and, do, and how do the Bears find people, that? convince people to come, you know, so a guy like DeRozan to come to Chicago when coming to Chicago was considered, to- you know, a toxic environment. Oh, it was toxic. No uh, one would come here. No one would come here because they thought that the people who were, ran the show were idiots. Uh, I, I think having the credibility of doing it in Denver uh, went a long way. Um, you know, everybody knows. That, you know, that those reputations... Uh, are well established. Everybody, you know, and the players all talk to each well, other. Well, getting the center so, from last year really. You know, so when they they knew when when he arrived, um, what it, you know what, how, what the people in Denver thought of uh, of him, and uh, so you know I, I'm I'm really not surprised that uh, uh, that it's gone well, uh, only because uh, because the you know the the credibility was built way before. He got I think to when he it. showed up last year and he. When he got to center, he let everybody know he was serious. But I, I have the f- feeling, I mean, I, the model I've always used, I mean, uh, is the Tom Landry, I forget who the general manager was, but for years, the owner did what owners are supposed to do, the general manager did his job, and Tom Landry did his job. And I think with the Bulls right now, this guy they got from somehow or another, he's wrestled enough authority away from maybe Wirtz, does just wants a winner and is willing to bow it a little bit. The McCaskies obviously don't. Uh, they, they want their finger and everything. Now this guy was able to go out and get his coach. He got it. He's done his job and he's letting Donovan do his. He's, he, he got players that will appear to enjoy being coached by Donovan and playing with each other. And Donovan's doing it. To me, it's it's it's, it's an organization that all of a sudden seems to work. And I think when he went and got the center last year, he let all the other players in the league know the Bulls were serious. That's one man's opinion. Anyway. Yeah, I think that was a that was a good start. Absolutely. Um, and he had Levine, yeah, so even, though, yeah. even though it didn't help him last year. Everybody thought, okay, that's going to get the Bulls into the playoffs, and it did. It almost did. Um, but it, but it was a statement. Well, you went to the we're, two we're stars. Done screwing around here. Well, I like the the ability that for them to come in and kind of evaluate the talent because the Bulls had a lot of young pieces, including Levine, that were unproven that have never won. And a lot of people thought, can Levine be a, a, a top guy on a winning team? And maybe he can, maybe he can't. And they came in and they looked at, you know, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. They looked at Markinen. They looked at Levine. They looked at, and they, and it seems like they made every decision like correctly. They were like, yeah. well, this guy is a part of our future. This guy's not. But they, they gave him a year to sort of prove themselves. And, uh, and then they, and then they cleaned house and, and, but, but, and, and said, we're building around Levine. We're not getting rid of Levine, even though he's not one of quote unquote our guys. And uh, it seemed to me they've made the right decision across the board. Well, marketing was uh, they, they had two draft picks they had to work. They, were, they had already though, right? The kid who got hurt was already here, wasn't he? No, they drafted him. Or who's the guy that was it? Kobe White. Kobe White was already here. Kobe White was here. Wendell Carter Jr. was here. Laurie Markkinen was here. Uh, and then um, and then they came in. They drafted Patrick Williams. That was their their first pick. Well, Market had never they never played. He never played. I mean, I, I mean, I, he was okay. I, I, I didn't see. He, he was injured a lot. You know, the most uh, the most games he played was his rookie year. He played sixty eight games. After that, he was 
52-50-51. I, I have his page up on uh, Basketball Reference. And, and he's doing okay now. He's, you know, 26 games in. He's uh, averaging 13-6 uh, a game. But you know what? And when you're that big and, you're, uh, and, and your field goal percentage is 41.2, um, you're not a guy I really like to have on my team. <laughs> I want my seven-footers to... You know, look. If you're close to the basket, if you're, you know, I, I get that he's he's an outside shooter for a big man, and he's a particularly good outside shooter for a big man. But his three point percentage is thirty one point one. Now he's seven feet tall, and he's thir- and he's hanging out by the three point circle. Sorry, I want you down by the basket where you can, you know, where you can just make little turnaround jumpers and and and, and put him in at about a sixty percent clip. That's the guy the guy I want. And uh, uh, I'll have to look at uh, Wendell Carter. Uh, not not Cavatter. <laughs> no. Hey, uh, while you are digging that up, I just the thing that ag- I started to start about the thing that aggravates me about, and I, I think one of the, one of the problems we're having going into this year, we'll talk about this more with Carl, is the bits of piece of information that people get somehow driven by industry. I was talking about it earlier with the the, the you know how safe it is to be on an airplane. I don't, I don't only got a minute, but this guy just came out and, and had a big story about how as, as oil prices go up. It's going to drive people to use electric cars. All right now, if you don't look below the covers, uh, that may sound like a really intelligent statement. Yet here I'm looking at the source of electricity in this country. It's 36% oil, 28% natural gas. Okay, so so you're up to almost 70% or 65% right there, and then it's coal and renewable energy. So. What makes you think that that the price of you you have to burn oil someplace, send it over to wires to put, and then and plug your truck in? How how is that more efficient than just putting oil in a truck in the first place? I mean, I, the, 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 I understand that if you the more you go renewable, the more the more you want electric, the better off you are. Fifty years from now or forty years from now, and I also get the natural gas could be used in more more vans and stuff. It isn't for some reason, but the idea that this that this electric just comes out of nowhere. It comes from somewhere, and it comes from petroleum, for God's sake. I mean, where am I wrong here? I just, you know, I mean, you, you need, I think, hopefully this year, uh, everybody takes a pause and when they hear somebody say something on TV. Oh, uh, yeah, it comes from coal. Well, I mean, we're down to like 13% of coal. Uh, renewables 11 and nuclear is 8. I'd like to see that nuclear up about 20, but that's not going to happen. But you, but you wonder, Kevin, I, I can understand why somebody who doesn't do what we do, which is watch this stuff all day long, it's totally buffered around by quote the news. It's not news. It's constant people giving you their agenda, and under the guise of news. And I think it's hurting us mentally. I <laughs> really don't know how you stop it. Yeah, you know what? And if if CNN ever wanted to uh, um, do something about their abysmal ratings, uh, because they, they, I think you know they're, they're they're so low in the ratings that you know they, they should be in desperation mode. Uh, whereas you know MSNBC and Fox and and then some of the other splinter things like a Newsmax or something, they are they're totally agenda driven. So you know what? If if somebody wanted to fill that void, it would be interesting to see. And I would say for CNN, what do you have to lose? Nobody watches anyway. Well, you know what? Uh, well, let's talk maybe next Wednesday because we got to go, go to break here. But the re- nobody nobody cares if they watch Kevin as long as you're in the first level of the of the uh, cable. Everybody in the country is going to give them twenty five cents a month if they have ratings on well, top go, of it. Yeah, I know, but yeah. go back to the beginning: thirty percent, thirty percent, forty percent. There's that forty percent in the mid- middle is the one you is is the biggest junk to reach. Well, I'm not saying that they uh, 
but but uh, that's why CNBC is is never at a loss to paying people a million bucks to say God knows what on there because they're in the first tier. Where 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 Fox is. Fox Business News in the second tier, and you almost have to pay up to get Bloomberg. So nobody's watching Bloomberg because um, it's not a question of whether you watch it. It's yeah, whether you're CNN for is in that first tier, and and there's a big void in the market that CNN could fill. Absolutely, SP Futures. Kevin, Happy New Year, buddy. I'll talk, call you tomorrow. Wish you Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, happy right. New Year. Uh, SP Futures down six seventy five. Nasdaq Futures down seventeen seventy five. Be right back, Mr. Carl Denninger. He's got some predictions for next year's out there. Pretty interesting. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello, welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. It's Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 6, Nasdaq Futures down 14. Let's see if we kind of ducked down on the close yesterday, which, uh, after Monday's move this week, I, uh, I thought we'd be up all week, and, well, we haven't been. We were up enough on Monday to make us up for the week, for sure, but uh, we've been kind of either slow or leaking since then. Carl, how are you? Happy New Year. Well, I'm doing all right. I, you know, yeah, it's, it's not quite New Year yet. Well, I could do it early, you know, a little bit. We're close. Well, I guess it is if you're like you know if you're just on the right side of the date line. It, uh, is, uh, it has now officially happened. They had some place this morning. It's somebody's somebody's just further the other other way than Australia. It was some small island that already did it this morning. I forget the name of it. I heard about it on the way in. So some. Well, I think New Zealand has, has now crossed it. So. 
so we're good to go, or at least over there. Well, yeah, you know, it's kind of like it's five o'clock somewhere, right? Oh, Same yeah. idea. <laughs> so, so what uh, we were uh, kind of the, the theme of the week a little bit. I want to get into some of your predictions. A uh, uh, theme of the week has been uh, a, a lot of the news that's coming out and uh, and, and nail. Well, first of all, but I, I, I'm stunned at the economic numbers are now withholding from people like intentionally. And it would they even even the monthly money supply numbers now they give out whenever they damn well feel like it. They give it out to me and you when the rest of the people are done looking at it, I guess. I don't know. Uh and even the weekly money supply numbers now, they might come out on a Friday, they might come out on a Monday or Tuesday and not not the weekly money supply, it's the weekly balance sheet. Carl, how the how the hell? Even if you and I are one of the most two of the more uh shall we say conspiratorial dudes or at least uh disgusting in how that these guys operate. This is this is way over the top. Where you don't even have a time where you give out a, 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 a an economic piece of data. How do you how do you? This is I've never even seen anything like this. I mean, it's almost like oh no, well, and, and the the labor numbers. We'll get you sometime during the day when everybody else gets done trading on it. I mean, how do, this is something even even I never thought they'd do. I think a big part of the problem is that nobody really, other than people like you and I, care. I mean, I, I, I hate, I hate to say that, but I, I've got, uh, you know, more than a decade worth of experience writing my column, and I used to do a quarterly report on the GDP release every time it came out, because there's an awful lot of very useful data in the GDP release. And I stopped doing it because it was literally the worst circulated column in a three month period. Repeatedly. Really? And so I stopped doing it. And I, I well, and I used to do every first Friday. I used to do a, a post where I, you know, the stuff we talk about with the jobs report, right? That you know that we do as a as a regular basis. Well, I used to put that up there too. I stopped doing that with because again, um, you know, of, of of the things I do on a regular basis every month, that was the one that got the fewest reads. Uh, interesting. Well, I mean, you know, it's one of the things about running your own infrastructure is that you have all that data. You know, I mean, I, I know exactly what people read, where they're coming from, where the links, where the link-ins are coming from, if they're not going directly to the page. Uh, you know, who's circulating it and where, where they're posting the links. Uh, and, uh, no, I mean, it, it is what it is. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, why do you put effort into doing something if nobody cares about what you have to say? Well, I mean, it's the thought has crossed my mind, Carl. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I, uh, I, I, I but the weird part though is when, when it starts to matter. I didn't. I'm not saying that the labor stuff doesn't matter. It sure does. But when it starts to matter, I, I, I understand it for a long period of time. The the old, you know, money supply stuff that I remember on the floor, people hanging, you know, basically butt to butt, looking at the money supply number coming over to the. Uh, the quote. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I remember that because we had a, uh, you know, we had a, an inflation, not just a scare, but a problem for ten to twelve years. And I also, and I realized that in the last twelve years, or thirteen now from like two thousand seven on, there's been kind of this sneaky inflation that only people like you and I look at, uh, but they're able to tell the rest of the population there isn't any, and there's nobody really cares about. You're my article that says, "Hey guys, you're being lied to." It really is, and by the way, here's where it is. Uh, they don't really care. I mean, if you don't, I mean, if you're if you're 
companies paying for your insurance, uh, you don't care. Even though you're, you should be smart enough to say that it's going up. If, if they weren't paying it for insurance, they'd be giving it to me. But but people don't or don't appear to be that smart either. And, and nobody cares about the guy paying it on his own. I mean, we just don't care about those. I mean, there's. I mean, if we talk about governments and rules separating classes of society. I don't think anything separates the classes of society more than than the current state of uh, the news media, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, they don't, they don't even care about people in the below the top twenty percent of the of the because they're not sponsors, they're not on there, they're not, they're not being interviewed. Nobody cares about any of these people. I mean, right? And, and so so I, I get that part, but I'm really kind of stunned that now it's starting to affect everybody, and it's now a six month, four month. Um, phenomenon to where you know everybody's talking about it and still nobody goes back and says wait a minute what, what causes this what's doing this what, what, what's the numbers what's the fed doing didn't they used to didn't they used to say something about too much money in this I mean, i'm stunned that it hasn't become a subject yet i mean it i, I think it will this year maybe second quarter but somehow somewhere are people just they just keep talking about when you, when you got the president talking about uh Gee, we gotta we gotta look at some antitrust. That'll take care of it. W- what are you talking about? <laughs> I mean, people well, buy this uh, well I, you know, Chief. I think one of the things that that is really disturbing about this is that it's been about well, when when I used to run my internet company, I made a big deal about the acceleration in Medicare and Medicaid and the and the general mess in the medical system because you know I was providing health insurance to the people that worked for me. And when I went from being a very small business with a couple of people working there to one that actually had a decent number of employees, of course, you know, all of a sudden that becomes important, right? You know, you, you go from, well, it's you. Okay, fine. You know, you don't got it. Um, and then you start hiring people. And of course, that's what people expect when they have a job. So, you know, that all of a sudden shows up on the balance sheet as a, you know, as one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> it's, on your, it's on your expense side of the statement. And, um, and and when I look so, you know I look at the patterns and I say oh um, uh, excuse me this is going to blow up the world uh, unless it stops because because it is that sort of exponential expansion just can't go on um, and so I, I started making a stink about it then and I've been doing it since I've been writing the market ticker which you know started in 2007 so now you know we're coming up on 15 years on this and yet. Everybody is like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal because my, you know, my boss picks that up, right? They don't see it. Well, a big part of the reason that there's a half a million dead Americans over the last 18 months um, and all of the craziness that's gone on over the last 18 months with this virus is directly because of that. Why do you say that? Because if you look at what you look at how the system works today. Okay, I've talked about this before. Insurance is a business that, because it is regulated in terms of its gross margin, the only ways for an insurance company to get larger are to have more incidents, therefore more claims, or for each of them to be more expensive. That is the only way they can grow. That's it. If you have a fixed base of people in other words, you know, your population is only growing at whatever it's growing at, or maybe it's not growing. Maybe now it's essentially flat this last year. But you can't do anything about demographics, okay, as a, as a corporation. You cannot, you know, you cannot cause the demographics to change one direction or another. 
So if if you have that sort of a model, that sort of a business model, and you and you've inextricably intertwined it with an industry, in other words, if you do not have this, you're going to get hosed, and that's just that's just all there is. So you've essentially built an extortion model around an industry that says you must buy this without exceptions. Then you won't. There is only one way for that business to grow and therefore for the stock price to go up, and therefore for the executives to get paid more, and therefore for more people to be employed. There's only there's only one way to do it. Well, that's true. And, and, but, why, but why don't... There's a, well, one of the Chief, things... Chief think, of, Chief, think about this. In every, biz, in every business, in your line of work, in the work that I used to do in, in everything that we do in the world, except insurance, if you figure out how to be more efficient, you get to keep the benefit of that. You get to keep the money. Okay? When I ran MCS, we figured out how to do some things that nobody else knew how to do, and they made for a massive difference in our cost structure within the company. They they took they literally took a zero off some of the numbers that other people were paying for. Wow. And so that's guess who got to keep all that money? Well I'm gonna say the insurance companies, I'm gonna be a little harsher. I'm going to say the insurance companies find ways to not pay. Well, of course, because that's the, 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 the come on. Insurance companies exist to collect premiums, not pay claims, right? Right. So, I mean, but that again, it's all part of the same shtick. If you make more than ten percent, the government regulators are going to come in and make you cut your rates. So, they're, they're, you don't. And why would you not have a, a building, a magnificent building full of people? Half of whom sit around and play with themselves and watch porn on on the internet all day. Uh, if you get away with that, why would you not do this? Because it, it, it's the only way you can make your company bigger. Your costs are higher. Oh, gee, you know we have to employ. And and this is one of the things. Supposedly, you know, everybody screamed when Obamacare came in because they said you had to, you know, they did the medical loss ratio that the insurance companies had to pay out eighty percent of whatever they took in in claims. Okay. And that was one of the one of the centerpieces of the PPACA, and all these people screamed about this. Were you telling me that if, you, if, if that it's perfectly okay if you have a so-called insurance company that has an efficiency ratio of less than eighty percent, and this is good? Well, I, I, there's the uh, one of the well, I'll take that, but I'm going to take it a little bit further. One of the, the themes of the last couple of weeks, and it kind of uh, Angelica sent us that. I don't know if you had a chance to, to look at that video she sent us. Um, but the, the theme seems to be for me, and it started like a long time ago. I seem to recall when I was a youth, uh, people would say when they put a, a big bill through Congress that there was, I think it must have been a gentleman's, I mean, it can't have been a law, it was a gentleman's agreement that it, within like, was it nine months or 12 months or two years, there was some number at which they would sort of have a, a, a I won't say a, a I guess it was some sort of a review of the bill. Like, what were the unintended consequences? And if there was a few parts in there that just weren't working out, they would essentially have a, there was a name for it. They put through the bill in like a fix, and they'd say, well, this one, we didn't put in enough money, this one we put in too much. And they would actually, there was a a name for that. I'm not, you know, I'm not an attorney, I don't know. And, but I guess what I'm saying, there, there was some idea that whatever you do, you need to take a look at it down the road and find out if you're getting, going in the right direction or not. And there's this somewhat reflection, like the guy uh, who was on the, the tape that Kevin and I talked about, you know, other than he had an interesting accent. I mean, he could have been you, because the guy basically said, 
you put all this stuff in play because of this pandemic, but you know whatever you're doing has has costs and consequences as well. And as time goes by, you should be very obvious. It should be you should be very concerned about if the costs and consequences at some point are are, are causing more damage than 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 what you're trying to stop. And right. It, and he goes, it's 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 he goes, it's not medicine. It's common sense, basically, which is what you and I have been. Well, you for sure, but lead me down that road. But it seems like. Everything we do is sort of on that same thing. I mean, you look at the, the, uh, I mean, you know, don't look at the executive or, 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 the, or the, you know, the, the bump, even though they're all good people, sitting on the desk at CNBC or Fox telling you about the, the medical situation when they've got the Cadillac policy. You can't listen to them. What you need to do is, well, you, for that piece of the society, you can, but that, that's the top 10% that's telling you what life is for them. But for you and me, I think we're smart enough, and our listeners, I think, want to hear part of it. I talk about the guy who works in the building, and he's got he and he has a policy that I think I don't know if he splits it with the place or what he does, but he basically buys the current the current I won't say Obamacare the current uh, insurance that's available for individual people and families. That's a better right. way to say because he makes too much money for it to be okay. Obamacare, he's not getting any help, so he's paying for this, and I'm thinking it's. I'm thinking it's twelve to fifteen hundred dollars a month at least, Carl. And or I th- more. And I th- and I think his deductible for his family is like eleven or twelve or thirteen. So yeah. if, if if I mean his and his wife was sick, and he was he was having trouble getting a doctor's appointment, and if he, the thought of he said if I have to go to the emergency room, I'm not going to get out of there for less than five grand, and I don't have the five grand. So the idea that this system is working for regular people. For regular illnesses, for regular stuff that happens, for you know, cutting your knee in a soccer game, for those kinds of things, or for somebody elbowing you in the eyeball in, your, in a basketball game, and you need three stitches over your eye. It used to happen a lot when we played ball. I mean, the idea of 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 you being of this working for you at that level is preposterous. Now the question is, why doesn't somebody look at what what we have been doing for the last twenty years and say this isn't working? And I think some of it has to do. With the fact that the, that the bigger companies are, are are all over the place, I mean, the reason why you can't get that review of insurance is because the insurance companies are basically up these guys behind, and, and the idea that that we can have airlines, like I talked about earlier, tell people how safe it is to fly on a fl- plane, and yet the Omicron variant made it around the world in like three weeks, and yet, uh, and how did it get there by plane? <laughs> you know, and I'm supposed to believe that every single person. That had it from South Africa, didn't give it to anybody else on the plane. They did only after they landed. Carl, I'm not that dumb. I mean, but, but obviously Boeing and the airline industry has this thing going that that's their story and they're sticking to it. And that's all we're ever going to hear. But I, I don't know how as a society we can continue to go forward with our stuff being, it, it, it's, it's almost like the communist government is manipulating the stuff. And I'm not talking about right or left. It's manipulating the, the real important stuff. Oh, it's not the communist. It's it's the five companies that the that the government chooses to play ball with. It's all it's, it's to me well, it's worse. Well, sure. But chief, think think about this. Think think about how it would have been different over the last two years because we're coming up on two years now with this craziness, right? If when this started, HHS Ash, okay, who was, was Trump's guy at the time, instead of Here's, here's $18,000 if you're hospitalized with COVID. Here's $35,000 if you get ventilated. Here's an extra 20% on the entire bill if you have COVID in a hospital. Okay. These are facts. Oh, yeah. 
This is still being paid today. If instead the the ruling out of HHS was if you go into the hospital with COVID, you only the hospital only gets paid if you live. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. If you die, they get zero. Now, if if that was the if that was the rule, and and under the same sort of emergency authorities that they used to do what they did, they could have done this because if you can set prices on a price fixing basis of government when there's a public health emergency, well, guess what? That you know, hey, it works all different ways, right? So if they'd done this, what do you, what do you think would have happened the first time you showed up at the urgent care or the ER or whatever with the sniffles and you said, you know, I think I might have the virus? They would have thrown the kitchen sink of anything that was not going to kill you at that bug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay? It's, I mean, you know, oh, well, this doesn't work. Well, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but it isn't going to hurt you. Have some. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know if it works, but here, have some. I, I think there's well, a lot, there's yeah, a lot of that going on. If, if, if they do nothing, which is what they did, which is what they're still doing here, okay? And, oh, by the way, our local county place, I just looked at the numbers through, like, the second week of December. It was the last time I looked at it, a couple weeks ago. From June, from the beginning of June to the second week of December, almost 80, 79 point something percent of the people who went in there for COVID left in a box. Well, the, now, uh, think about this. That's twice as bad as it was during the entire first year of the virus. Well, so what do you attribute that to? I mean, I, I was. Well, well, I thought we were supposed to get better at things as we got more experience. Well, it also could be the uh, well, my my buddy, the guy he played football with, the one of the one of the colleges colleges who had uh, been fighting prostate cancer forever, and he was going down the drain, and they get and they get the uh, bring him home for hospice, and of course they didn't t- say anything to the family if it was really true or not. You get the death certificate; it was prostate cancer and COVID. Well, they didn't tell the well, family. You know, I mean, I don't know how much of that, but you know what? Hey, listen, if the, if the whole game is to code it so you get paid, maybe there was plenty of that going on too, right? I would say so. Well, it's entirely possible, but you know what? Who really cares? The truth is, because what is, what is the other part of that? What sort of scaremongering comes out of, oh, by the way, if you get this thing, you're going to die 80% of the time? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... And, and, oh, by the way, doesn't that drive people's behavior? But Kyle, right? this, crazy, this crazy chick that just, there was just a report of this, she spent five hours in the bathroom on an airplane. She took seven tests before she flew, took an extra, had an extra one of the over-the-counter ones with her in the airplane, took it in the airplane, it came up positive. She, after she'd got six negatives, including two PCRs, locks herself in the bathroom because she's convinced she's contagious and is going to kill everybody on the plane. Well, that's... But I, I, well, you're, 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 you're out of your effing mind. Yeah. But who put people in that sort of a mental frame that they would do something like that? Carl, I still see people driving their car by themselves with a mask. What, 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 you know, what, well, we see that around here. Yeah, what, I mean, it's... A, uh, but how, I guess... I'm not, rather than just, you know, criticizing what people do and what you see, I, I wonder if this, this, since we've been doing the show, I mean, I, I, mean, I watch it more than others because now well, I guess we're in the industry, right, of, to a certain extent. You, you wonder what, I mean, I, I like this, when I say something, I mean, I mean, if I don't, Maddie calls me on it, 
I'll, I'll like to put my sources out there. If this is a doctor, he's this there, he's something. But I, re- I really don't have an, an agenda. Like, if I go on CNBC, if they ever ask me to go on, which they I stopped going on. They used to ask me all the time. Um, I didn't really like it all that much. But the uh, anyway, the if, if I if I go on as, uh, you know, well, the, this, the uh, money management firm that we uh, have, Wall Street Advisors, okay, so if I go on as the as the as the the grand poobah of Wall Street advisors, and my my view is from next year, by the way, send me a check. Uh, the market's going to be up ten percent. You know, I'll watch your stuff. Oh, but you know, I mean, the usual party line. Or if you have a bazillion dollars with Wall Street advisors, you know, an asteroid could be coming at the Earth to blow it up, and I'm never going to say. Gee, which, what you ought to do is, 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 is call me and tell me to send you a check and, and distribute cash to the, your kids and have them separate all over the country. Maybe one of them will survive. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to say that, even though, even though that could be the obvious. But it, the, the point is, you know, we're listening to the head of Pfizer. We're listening to the head of Boeing. We're listening to the head of United Airlines. It, it, it people feel that that, what these guys are saying, it, it's, it's couched as news, but it's not. And I, right. and I, and I, I mean, I, it's, it's one thing. I mean, um, you know, you, you, Kevin and Kevin and Lou more than you, uh, you know, will rag on the on the uh, uh, you know the uh, what do you call it? the the liberal the liberal the CNBC side, but then you look at the fact at the facts that it this is it's it, it coming on there. It, it it's being presented as news, but it's really not news. I mean, even even no, CNBC, it's, it's, it, the entire th- the entire show is an op-ed. Yeah. And it and it, it's all it's all about ratings and I mean it's it's not not that they were perfect but NBC or ABC or CBS saying look from five to six we're going to stop programming and we're going to put Walter Cronkite or whoever, I forget who the other two guys were Harry Reasoner and we and we're gonna we're gonna just do a news hour and by the way we we'd love to have our news get more people than the other guys news but not not at the at the you know because. Because we think Walter Cronkite has a better view or a better voice, or people believe him more. But it's not about we're going to throw a bunch of BS on there and make it all of a sudden an opinion show. Because right, you know. But but now you have a twenty-four hour. That, that's not news. That, that that's a twenty-four right. hour. God knows what a, a rating show. So, but I mean, and, and the people you have on there, I, I don't. I mean, do I really want the? I guess I. I'm going to, I'm going to concede he's a brilliant man. And I would want him in the room. I'm just talking hypothetically. I'd want him in the room if I was president, if I want to learn something about the industry. But I'm not going to just put the, the chairman of Exxon on there telling you about the oil industry and believe that he doesn't have an agenda in what he's talking about, that, has, that it's pro-Exxon, <laughs> that it may not be, it's probably not a total lie, but it's probably not all the truth either. But, I mean, after you see this all day long, how, how do you differentiate if you're just a regular schmuck looking at TV, you know, instead of... You and I looking at it because it's our living to, to, to read between the lines of what these guys say, but we, we also know they're not going to get the question that you and I want to ask them, or they won't come back. You know, the threat is I want to be if I'm the IBM chairman. CNBC wants them on right after the the earnings come out. They don't want to be after they were on Fox or after they were on Bloomberg. They want them right away, right? So they're going to they're right. gonna, you know. So it's but I guess there's this blend where you don't even know what you know. Like the guy this morning did kind of piss me off. Talking about how there's no doubt that if, as oil prices go up, people are going to be driven to go to electric cars. And I go, okay, well, wait a minute. To a point, you get 38 percent of all the 
the electricity in this country is made from oil and 28 is from natural gas. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. So it's, it's not exactly a one-off trade. It's not like you're going, right. you know. So Absolutely. I mean, so, so it's not like he's wrong in the sense that that would, that would be your first thought. But then you, I would hope that the people who listen to us and, and, more, and more people in the country who we spend like a bazillion dollars educate would say, okay, what's the kicker? How exactly are we making electricity before I say I'm going to, I'm going to torch my car? Well, if it turns out we're, we're making electricity using oil and we're spending the, we're sending the electrical power over, over the wires for 50 miles, that's way less efficient than me just build, me just putting in my damn car, right? It's like natural gas for your furnace. Your furnace is way more efficient than burning it 30 miles away and sending it to you over the wire. Or where am I wrong? I'm not. No, I think you're right. And that's the, you know, that's kind of the deal is that what do you, you know, what are we doing here? And yet, the the other thing that that always annoys me with the with the stuff with you know ga- natural gas versus whatever is is everybody has their finger on the scale, uh, But when you look at the at the situation with electric vehicles in particular, um, there is there is a great deal of BS that has flown around since they first, I mean, you know, electric vehicles are not new, right? In fact, they predate internal combustion engine vehicles, believe it or not. Uh, People probably don't know that. Uh, But they died out because nobody's figured out how to get 110,000 BTUs in a uh, one-gallon volume can that weighs six pounds. Nobody's figured out another way to do that. I mean, for the contents. Right, which gasoline is? So diesel a little more. It's about seven. Um, but uh, nobody's figured out how to to get that energy density. And so you say, well, you know, but the but the internal combustion engine is only thirty percent efficient. Well, that's true. But guess what? Where you make the energy is only about thirty percent efficient. No matter how you manage to do it, right. it doesn't make any difference. And so if I burn the natural gas in a power plant, I can get sixty percent approximately. On a combined cycle plant, that's the absolute best we can achieve. Uh, it's it's just it's thermodynamics. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't care whether you like it or not. That's the way it is. Sixty-ish percent of that has ever been done. There's a there's a GE gas turbine setup that's combined cycle that can that can get right around that number. And I think the absolute best ever recorded was a research unit in China that's like a percent or a percent and a half higher than that. All right, so I mean we really are up against the theoretical wall on this. And then you have to transfer, you know, the power has to come from the power plant, come down the wires, go through the transformers, the substations, everything else, and charge the battery, which means it has to go through the electronics to do that. There's loss in every one of these things. And then when the power comes back out of the battery and drives the wheels, there's loss there, too. And all of this it adds up, and it's all multiplicative, and you can just sit down with a calculator and go ding, 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 ding. All right, that's the number, end to end. You put this many BTUs in it at, at the start, and this is how many you get out at the wheels that actually make the car go. Um, we really, with, with modern internal combustion engines, we really aren't very far behind the absolute best you can achieve through any other mechanism. And the whole reason that we, that we use internal combustion engines is because I can get that energy in a small little package that goes with me, and if I need to replace it, it takes three minutes, and it's replaced. <laughs> All right. We're going to go to break. Carl, SP Views down five. Nancy Views down six. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. 
How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading options ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Just met Weber on the board. SP Futures down 475. Nasdaq Futures just went unchanged, so we're creeping back toward the positive here. I'm guessing we'd probably end up in a positive today. It's, I don't want to be down on the, on the last day of the year after such a great year in terms of the market. Just saying, Dow Futures still down 56. Uh, individual stock in the Dow, we got Boeing down 78 cents. We've got uh, Microsoft down 47 cents. Nothing's moving. I mean, it's uh, we have Visa down 87 cents. So nothing, nothing. Uh, it's, it's the last day of the year for God's sake, and it's and it's acting like it. Kind of one of those things. In Europe, we've got the DAX up 32.2 percent, FTSE down 18.2 percent, CAC around down 20.2 percent. So. Virtually nothing uh, moving there either. Asia, uh, Nikkei down 115.4%. Shanghai up 20.5%. Hang Seng up 285. It's 1.2%. As Hang is trying to make the best on the last day of what was a very crummy year for those guys. Uh, yesterday, we actually ducked down really in the last half hour after being up all day. Dow was down 90. S&P down 14. NASDAQ down 24. Uh, but still, we're pretty good up on the week after after Monday's big rally. Ten-year uh, minus a basis point, 1.50 exactly. Uh, Bund uh, minus, uh, we're positive point 1.50. The Bund is minus point 0.17. Japan positive point 0.07. Now, unchanged on both of those. Uh, oil dollar 39 down, 75.60. <clears throat> Brent down 123. 78.30, natural gas up 4 cents to 360. 
So it's up four cents at three sixty. It was over four dollars earlier in the week. Crazy, crazy year of natural gas. Probably the craziest year I've ever seen. I mean, I probably have to research it to find out, but I'll ask Carl. He'll know. Our Bob down two cents, two twenty six. We've got gold up twelve dollars now, eighteen twenty six. Trying to make a run. The last day of the year, after having a crummy year. Silver up twenty two cents, twenty three twenty eight, and we've got Bitcoin up six seventy two at forty eight thousand zero six two. So back over forty eight thousand. Maybe what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 39 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Uh, still nice and quiet out there on the area expressways, roadways, and tollways here on New Year's Eve morning. If you're heading somewhere, you should get there rather quickly. No accidents or delays on any of the area expressways. There's only one closure, and that's due to a fatal crash that happened overnight last night. It's uh, on the north side. Division Street between Homan and Kedzie is closed as an investigation continues into a fatal crash that occurred just before midnight. Three people were transported to area hospitals with one occupant, occupant uh, pronounced dead upon arrival. So uh, the CTA is also rerouting the number 70 buses. That's sad, but that so has you got, Everybody's close. got their seatbelts on, and they're going 30 miles an hour max. How does that happen? Yeah, I would imagine that's not what happened. Uh, but uh, that uh, is our only uh, traffic issue weather today. Uh, clouds and mild temperatures uh, this afternoon with a high of 43. Right now it's mostly clear and 36 degrees downtown. And then we have snow coming tomorrow. For our Phoenix listeners, rain in the forecast and a high of 58 today. Right now it's mostly clear and 54. In sports, we have some matinee hoops uh, this afternoon before the college football playoff kicks off. Uh, the Bulls are back in action at 2 p.m. Central Time in Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. The Suns are in Boston to take on the Celtics. That is a 10 a.m. Phoenix time tip-off, noon central here, uh, Suns versus Celtics. And then the college football playoff uh, is this afternoon. Cincinnati and Alabama is the first game. That's a 2.30 central time kickoff from the Cotton Bowl. And then Georgia versus Michigan will follow at approximately 6.30 p.m. central time from the Orange Bowl. Chief. What are you thinking in those games? You got any thoughts? Uh, you know, I'm not well researched, uh, by any means. Yes, but, yes. But I would, uh, say it's going to be, uh, Bama versus Michigan in the final, is my prediction. Um, but I'll be cheering for Cincinnati and Michigan. Yes. Um, but that's, uh, that, that's my best guess. Now, if you're talking about against the spread, God, I'd, ha- I'd have to do more research. I wouldn't even know. I know Bama's a heavy favorite, and I know Michigan is getting like seven points or seven and a half points. And I think they might win outright. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on Georgia. Their schedule is pretty weak, and I looked to me. Auburn looked a lot, lot better against Alabama than uh, Georgia did. Yeah, of course, you can't tell that. I mean, one game it, and it's a rivalry game. Those games are always kind of weird. Uh, Alabama kind of skated through the regular season. They lost a game they should have won. They could have lost that Auburn game that you just mentioned, and then they get to the title game and they absolutely beat down Georgia. And then Georgia was undefeated all season and had this great defense. But if you look at their schedule, it wasn't that strong until they played Alabama and then got smoked. Michigan played a pretty tough schedule. I mean, they 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 had to beat Ohio State. They played Michigan State, who won their bowl game. They played Penn State. They played Iowa. All these teams are top 15 teams, and they beat them all except for losing kind of a fluky game to Michigan State. So uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm cheering for Michigan, and and then no one's talking about Cincinnati, and yeah. uh, no one's giving them a chance. It would be fun if they if they showed up and made that a game. Uh, yeah, my uh, view of uh, of Michigan Michigan uh, Michigan schedule went up huge after yesterday. 
Well, yeah, I think the Big, bowl games. Big Ten's a lot better than people realize, uh, especially the the eastern side that had Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State. Uh, that that side's really good. And then on the west, you had uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, who are pretty darn good as well. Uh, Purdue, you know, beat Tennessee yesterday. Wisconsin beat Arizona State, and then Iowa plays uh, Kentucky tomorrow. How did uh, uh, this is kind of an interesting question? How did Rutgers manage to get their? They're playing tomorrow, right? Yeah, someone uh, got coveted out of their bowl game, and so the it wasn't bowl- someone. It was uh, well, it was someone. Yeah, but I'm trying to. Who <laughs> I can't remember what the team, but uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, they uh, and, and instead of canceling the bowl game, the bowl game said, "Well, uh, if there's uh, if there's another team that's just below bowl eligibility with five wins, uh, we'll take you." And Rutgers said, "We'll play." And there you go. Illinois was thinking about it. Yeah, I think Illinois wanted to play, but they gave Rutgers the nod. So how would all this transportation problems, everything we have, how the the people from Rutgers managed to all get there and uh, and have practices and stuff? That's pretty good. Yeah. God, who was it? Was uh, it's um, God, who was was a was a was a team that I knew all about too. Uh, you you can find that who who bailed on that one, but was that was like three weeks ago? How do you bail that quick? Everybody be, everybody be healthy by then. It's just kind of crazy. Well, how many teams uh, are, are missing their best players? I, I I couldn't believe last night the guy sitting in the press box, the guy that wasn't playing, the guy in pit. Yeah, there's a lot of guys in the last several years, it's become vogue to opt out of the bowl game. If you are either a senior preparing for the NFL draft or if you're a guy that is good enough that you're going to leave early because you are pretty much been told you're going to be drafted, and you, and if you're in a meaningless bowl game, you know, meaning you're not in the college football playoff or you're not like in the Rose Bowl or something, uh, a lot of those guys have been opting out just to, to not risk injury, which to me is understandable. And then you throw in now the, uh, the COVID issues. So if you test positive when they're testing you pretty much every day or every other day, um, whether you're sick or not, you're now ineligible. And if the, if you have enough of those guys, then your team becomes ineligible. So yeah, the, these are skeleton crews out there for these bowl games. Uh, except in the the college football playoff, those teams seem to be pretty, uh, pretty, you know, full, full stocked. But everyone else, I mean, you you got second string quarterbacks, third string defensive backs out there, and it, it's it's made for some sloppy play. Well, the uh, um, the Irish guy's not playing. Of the uh, all world looks like uh, it was Texas A and M that pulled out. Yeah, Texas A and M, which I'm, I'm really surprised they did it like three weeks ago. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Carl, the, the the next year, I can think of all kinds of. Uh, I know you you put out your your predictions, and I agreed with most of them. Uh, but the uh, I, I'm I'm somewhat concerned and somewhat hopeful. Is that possible? Be the same way. The uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And, and you know, there's there, so there's a couple of things that I that I think are are fairly significant trends that are going to happen pretty much no matter what else happens. And and you know, my I have this habit of putting out this thread. Uh, every every year, right at the end of the year for you know for the coming year, and then I, I score the one that I did the previous year, and I, I consider managing to hit fifty percent on a one year forward prognostication be pretty good. I mean, you know, so you're you're saying you think these this set of things is going to happen if you get half of them right over a, a year's time. That is not bad. Well, I agree. That's, that's yeah, true. I agree. Well, I mean, so, some of them are easy. You know, that's so that's the um, you know that's kind of where it is. But I think the big I think the big ones are all economic because I, I when you look at what's going on with inflation, um, it's uh, there's there's 
really no way around the fact that the Fed is going to be forced to react to this. Not with just jawboning, which is, I mean, you know, they say, well, we're cutting back on our, on our, you know, on our purchases, when in fact they're really not. Right. If you look at the, if you actually look at the data, that's a lie. Okay, it's it's the same sort of lie when Bernanke said he was adding liquidity into the system, into the maw of the crash, when in fact the data said he took $60 billion out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, but facts are facts. They're convenient to a lot of people. But they're going to get forced into actually doing it, because the problem with this sort of a thing is that, as we all know, a 10% inflation rate this year and then 10% next year, it's an exponential series. And uh, we, we know, we, we know that. that. We know that. Employee. Yeah, we know that, but it appears they either do know that or, or, or don't know that. And I, I've been in trouble. Right well, it, 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 you know what, Chief? It works right up until you walk into the grocery store and bacon's $10 a pound, and that just happened here in the last couple of weeks. Well, here's kind of the difference. that I mean, I'm going to run this one by it. I mean, I'm sorry to interrupt because I asked you about your predictions, but, and we'll get there in a second. But when I was uh, in, in grad school as a as a you know as a lowly sort, and I happen to have some pretty good teachers and like Milton Friedman people, and, and they looked at this stuff like that. The Fed made this decision, and there was a uh, you know they obviously had a mistake because they were. I mean, I mean Nixon was the one who started the inflation, not Carter. You know, but even so, the people still think it was all Carter's fault, which it wasn't. I'm not saying I was a fan of Carter, but that's simply not the case. It was his fault. Uh, it started with Nixon. I mean, uh, price controls were under Nixon. And, and, but the, the Milton Friedmanites of the world, they were, they were academic, you know, acad- academic guys. It was, people made bad economic decisions, people did this, people did that. And, and by the way, it was proved to be wrong, and this is what they had to do to fix things, and, and it was, uh, which was fine. And I went, I went to Pullman, and I learned a lot about how it worked with companies, more so than just about anybody, I would guess, because I actually did it. Uh, but now here I am, in, in the business I'm in, okay, and which is watching out for people, for people's money, and being on the CBOE board and watching the, the, you know, the total devastation of the free market system when it comes to putting in, uh, becoming market makers and things like that and to take over by a few firms. The difference that I'm getting, Carl, is I don't look at it like Milton Friedman did. Like it's just, it's just happened. It was just a mistake. And if I just could have got to the Fed six months earlier, which was his belief, and proved to them by my knowledge and by my math, if they were making the wrong stuff, they would have turned around and done the right thing. Carl, I think that is such BS right now, and I, as much as I love Milton Friedman, it's there's there's winners and losers, and the winners are running the show. It has it has these guys know exactly they're they're not this stupid. They they don't they don't need a guy like me to tell them about money supply. They know it. These are these are the top six economists in the country, allegedly. They know just who it's helping, just who it's hurting, and it bothers the living bleep out of me that the rest of the people don't realize how they're just being hosed. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. And, you know, that's the thing is that, that anybody that thinks that these people, I mean, you know, you, you look at just what has come out, in, in, you know, just in the last couple of days with regards to this virus, okay? All of a sudden we have the CDC that says we, we cut the quarantine from 10 days to 5, and then Walensky and Fauci both show up on television and, and said that this was because it was what people would tolerate. They, know, they didn't make the original decision based upon, are you, in, are you actually infectious to other people? Can you give somebody else the virus? Is, 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 if, 
you know, are you being locked up for 10 days because that's how long it takes until you're not able to give it to somebody? Oh, no, 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 no. They did it originally because it was what you put up with. Yeah. And they cut it to five because, oh, oh, my God, we have people, you know, we have nurses that are calling out, you know, 20% of the nurses are out at the hospital because they have the coof. Well, guess what? So if they're not safe in five days, so what are you saying now? That these, these nurses are going to go back to work, they're going to infect everybody in the building? Well, if that's not true, it wasn't true a year ago or two years ago either. Well, in some public employee unions, are there 14 days? Well, I know, but you know what? So basically, so what? So all i got to do is stuff stuff swabs up my nose until I get a 14-day free vacation? Um, well, I, I just... When I when I had, <laughs> well, I'm just saying when I when I had it it was it was uh, a year ago, well it was a year ago October, and uh, I was supposed to have a procedure right, and they were surprised that all these tests came up positive. So it might have been one of the new variants back then. So I got a call from the the, the big shot at North at Northern uh, whatever North Central or whatever, and he's like the COVID guy. It's on a Sunday morning. The guy calls me and he goes, uh, "So what, what's what's your deal with this?" And I go, uh, well, I mean, I, I went to the hospital for a test like five days ago. He goes, "All right, you probably caught it there." <laughs> yeah, and, and, yeah, you know, and, uh, and he goes, "So when, when were your symptoms?" And I said, "Well, uh, Thursday, Friday, I had a little bit of a headache, and but now I'm feeling pretty good." And it was like a Monday or Tuesday or somewhere it was. And he goes, "Well, you know, it's already Tuesday, so um, I, if you you know if it was Sunday, I'd say you go back to work on like Thursday. It's it's like you know eight to ten days from when you start." And I go, should I go get a uh, test? And he goes, what do you want to do that for? You're still going to be positive on the test, but your 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 body's knocking it out. You don't have any symptoms anymore. It means you're you're pretty much over it. Give it another couple of days to be sure and go. You're no danger to yourself or anybody. And so, if this was true a year and a half ago, now all of a sudden people are saying, well, don't expect to get if you actually had it. Don't expect to get a negative test for like a while. Everybody's looking at you like you got four four heads. Well, of course you're not going to. I mean, if somebody got over a cold and you gave them a, a, a test for having any part of the cold virus still in their body, a week later it's going to say yes, won't it? Well, yeah, but the, but the thing is, is that you know we had this, we had all this craziness that went on for two years, and it's still going on to a large extent. And yet we now have the people who are who have determined who were the winners and the losers. Okay, and let's face it, the Amazons of the world, the people who got all the free PPA, you know, the the, uh, the free, uh, you know, retention money checks and, and the ability to steal your FICA deposits and them in their pocket instead of actually giving them the Social Security. Which, by the way, everyone says, oh, no, no, because you didn't lose your, your FICA deposit. No, it just got put into the inflation numbers. Right. So the bacon went up by an extra dollar a pound. Okay? And, and, the, and the gas prices went up. And so... People say, "Well, that was that was actually free, and that you know, I it was double counted in the accounting." Uh, no, there's no such thing as double counting in the accounting. You spend the money, and it comes out of somebody's pocket, right? <laughs> or, or you make, or the Fed puts it in. Well, but but it still comes out of somebody's pocket. It's right. just that, that, you know, I mean, because what happens when you have to, when you have a larger supply of you know, it's, it's like the old thing that I used to tell people all the time: like, look, you have a hundred bushels of corn, and you have a hundred dollars. And that's, those are the only two things in the economy. And everybody has to eat, otherwise they eventually die. So what is the clearing price of a bushel? About a buck, okay? Yeah. Now, I just wave my hand, or, or I take the $100 bills, and I tear them in half. Now I have $200. What do you think the clearing price is for the coin? I think it's going to be two bucks. 
I think it's going to be two bucks. And you know what? People, at that point, the light bulb sort of goes on, right? And it's like, okay, the economy is much more complex than that. There's a lot of goods and a lot of services. There's a lot of substitutions. All this. But when you really get down to it, that's the bottom line. Sure it is. Carl, I got a, and so, yeah. All right, the question this, this we only have five minutes, but this is one I, I, I looked at the money supply numbers for November. It showed a 14% annual increase, if you annualize it, which is, I think it's higher than any month leading up to the late 70s or late eight, or early 80s. So, yeah, that's a crazy number. Yeah. Crazy, well, uh, October was like 13, you know, so we're not. Right. So, uh, if you took the 18 months after the COVID, the first 18 months, we were at a 20% annual rate. So, all right, so how do we a, judge like any number? Somebody lobs one out. Christmas, Christmas, uh, sales were 8.5% over last year, yet by any stretch, Inflation is at least ten percent from last year. Okay, so does that mean? Do I even know if that's a good year, bad year? I don't even. I don't even know how to interpret that. But what I want to get to is: what if we, if these guys really push this to the point where they're 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 going to push it to November on the election? And I I I think it's in the back of their mind that they can get us there without some kind of recession before then. Well, no, no chance. Well, I, 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 I'm, but I'm saying, what, what if they try and do that, and they start doing this 14 percent annually every month till then? Kyle, the, the, the repercussions of this. I mean, well the, well, the repercussions of that is that the Democrat Party ceases to exist. Well, but I'm, I'm talking about, the, the, <laughs> I mean, but not a, but not a price of food worldwide is going to be instead of five hours a day where most people worldwide can afford it, it's going to be seven. Right, and, and you're going to have mass starvation and famine and also, and, and, and by the way, that's how you get geopolitical problems well, that right. you don't want. The last time it got up that high was during the Arab Spring. Right. And, uh, you know, and whether it was a direct causation, I don't know, but it's, I'll tell you what, it's a, it's, it's a pretty reasonable causation. I mean, with the, 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 the fire these guys are playing with, do they even understand the fire they're playing with? Well, I think that I think that a decent number of them do understand. They think, but there is this arrogance that comes from people, especially in D.C., inside the Beltway. That you know, I mean, you look at AOC, for example. You know, she's she's of course the pinata for everybody on the right, and and with good cause. She gets on a plane and goes down down to Miami Beach, but she can't pay her student loans, so she's going to sit there and eat five hundred dollars worth of sushi in a nice hoity-toity place. Okay, because she's a representative, and she's more important than everybody else. But but she was pulling coffees at Starbucks, you know, a few years ago, right? And she can't pay her student loans, but it's perfectly okay for her to do this. The, the in the real world, if you tried to do that, you'd find out that your credit card was declined about the third day. Well, because I'm, I'm, I'm going to say we don't spend much time on this. We only have a minute here. I want to get your, your your biggest prediction for next year. Uh, but I'm going to say that 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 dinner's paid for out of her campaign funds and she can't pay the student loans out of there. Absolutely. Alright, so yeah, less than a minute. What's biggest prediction? And don't say the Bears Super Bowl. <laughs> no, um, it's it's the, the we have basically a locked up government post November. And that, and that's good for business. But up until then it's gonna be terrible. But at that point, that's good for business. That's historically how it works out. Uh, the old the old guy the old farts on the board, don't take that as a shot. And the board of the CBOE used to say that too, but once in a while I think they actually got to do something. And I'm, I'm not so sure they don't need to make some changes here. 
Well, I, yeah, but I, but I think that what you're going to see is that the you know the money supply train is going to have to be stopped because otherwise there will be a catastrophe, and the people at the Fed aren't going to like it. They're going to be kicked, dragging, you know, they're going to be dragging, dragged into the field, so to speak, to do this. Right. But in the past, they've done it, and when they've when they've had to do it, because the alternative is a collapse of civil society, and, we, and that we we do not want. So we'll take that hit. It, we're not going to enjoy it. It's going to happen, and it's this year. Um, I think we got to do something with the health care, too, and you're the, you're the guy who's driven we me do. to do it. We do. All right, bud, Happy New Year. Have a nice weekend. Don't go overboard tonight. Uh, you're not on a lake. You can't go overboard. SP Futures down 5, NASDAQ Futures down 250. Let's have a good next year, everybody. PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. Dax Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-49.